Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. It is good to be back. Once again, before we get into this, it is my pleasure to announce that this episode was sponsored by Pearson Ravitz Insurance. Pearson Ravitz is my personal disability and life insurance agent. As a resident, you're going to need to purchase a personal disability policy, and the earlier you do this in training, the better for a variety of reasons. This policy is going to stick with you forever. It's going to be your financial shield against your career ending early. You heard Mike's story from last month. I've heard other stories as well from other residents. Stephanie Pearson was a doctor that got disabled herself, so you better believe that she knows her stuff. When you schedule up your time to talk to her, ask her her story, and you'll realize how legit of an agent she is and how I'm right that she is a good agent for you. Go to www.pearsonravits.com, fill out the contact form, and set up an appointment to talk. Let her know where you are in training, and she's going to walk you through when and how you want to buy this stuff. Again, it's www.pearsonravits.com. Get in touch today. Don't wait until it's too late and something happens. Now, on to our deep dive for the month. In the last case, and it was a brutal case, much, much props to Mike for sticking with me. That's a hard one. But this beta blocker overdose falls into a classic category of toxicology called the Brady Bunch or the low and slows. This is a group of extremely high yield and dangerous overdoses that present with bradycardia and hypotension. Bradycardia and hypotension. Now, it's not just beta blockers that fall into this category. There's a couple of them. The classic, I think it's like a tetrad. There's there's several of these, but it's beta blockers is a big one. Calcium channel blockers is the other big one. Digoxin falls in this category. And then I've heard clonidine too. When I was originally taught this, clonidine fell in this category. Beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, digoxin, and clonidine are the four drugs in the classic Brady bunch. Extremely high yield for your clerkship as far as toxicology is concerned. Now today, I'm just going to focus on beta blocker overdose and how to treat it, especially how to treat it in the real world. So let's go. Your patient is hypotensive and bradycardic. You're dropping a line. You're hanging some fluids. That's the same with a lot of tox cases. Um, Don't forget, you got to think of all the other non-toxicologic causes of this too. Things like myxedema, uh, ACS. There's, I did an old bradycardia episode if you want to pull that up. But you're, it's hypotensive, bradycardic. You know, you're, you're dealing with uh, some sort of overdose here. IV, fluids, and then step one, glucagon. Just kidding. It's not glucagon. This is, so glucagon is the classic, quote, antidote for beta blocker overdose. And the theory behind it, from my understanding is pretty solid, but I I want you to think through this. So one of the side effects of glucagon is that it causes lots of vomiting. And so what happens when you vomit from a physiologic perspective? It triggers a vagal response. So what does a vagal response do? Makes you lower and slower. (laughs) That's why this is controversial. In addition, let's say you're doing activated charcoal or something like that. And now you're going to give someone a medicine that's going to make them more prone to vomiting activated charcoal. The real step one is activated charcoal. So tox 101, classic first step. The time cutoff for activated charcoal, I think it's usually cited as one hour because essentially what you're doing is you want to give activated charcoal and it's going to bind up the drug while it's still in the stomach. 
Okay. So if the drugs already passed the stomach, there's no point in giving the activated charcoal. That's why we don't usually give it much past an hour unless it's a drug overdose that causes delayed emptying of the stomach. So you can get all into, you can study activated charcoal. You should probably just read about it one day and really study this in depth. But Tox 101 is this kind of concept of decontamination activated charcoal, you're going to try to bind up this overdose in the stomach before it causes any damage. Your attending is going to want you to know, this is really important, activated charcoal requires that the patient has a good protected airway. That means that they need to be fully in control of their airway. That means they're they're awake, they're not at risk for seizing, they're controlling their secretions, all of that, or they're intubated. Those are like your two options. You don't want to be giving it to people that are altered or who are post or any of that. Um, because it causes just airway nightmares for one reason. Another reason is it causes really bad, um, like a pneumonitis when it's aspirated. So uh, be very careful with the activated charcoal. They have to be awake, but if it's within the first hour, TOX 101, one of the main decontamination uh, techniques is to give activated charcoal. Step two on the treatment for beta blocker overdose is atropine. So we know this, this is basic ACLS. I don't know if you've taken ACLS yet, but if you have a patient who has bradycardia and hypotension, you're giving that atropine. If the patient's coming in by EMS, which is likely, EMS will probably have given some atropine already, and you can give some more. The classic dosing is 0.5 to 1 milligram, um, but atropine is just kind of a first ACLS level. It's almost similar to like start a line, hang some fluids, and the nurse can be like, you want me to give the atropine for these bradycardic sick patients. So that's your second step. Step three, again, we're keeping it really simple. We're not getting too complicated with this. You're going to start pressors. You've got, you have a bradycardic and hypotensive patient. You're still sticking to that ACLS algorithm. You're starting an epi drip. Uh, you could potentially do like a dopamine drip. I like to use epi. I just know the dosing. I use it a lot. And you're going to titrate that epinephrine up. Your nurses know how to use epi. They're used to that. Uh, epinephrine is going to be rapidly available in like a resuscitation type setting. So you want to get those pressors started. So now let's go to step four. Another drug that we give all the time is calcium. So step four is actually to give calcium. So question, this is just a pimp question. What other emergency condition do we give calcium for all the time? And it's probably the most important step in the management of this other condition. What is, what is calcium a critical treatment in? Stabilizes the cardiac membranes. Hyperkalemia, EKG and calcium, baby, right? So uh, calcium is also not just in hyperkalemia, though. In these low and slow overdoses, you see it worked into these algorithms as well. Now, classically, it's, it's more so in the calcium channel blocker overdose and the beta blocker overdose. But part of the issue is that you don't necessarily know which one the patient took and that kind of thing. So calcium, again, nurses are really comfortable giving it. It's a pretty safe medicine. You're given that calcium. And then step five is, is really the key takeaway that I want you to take away today from this episode. This is the actual real world antidote to beta blocker overdose. It's not glucagon. It's actually insulin. And it's freaky amounts of insulin. It is tons and tons and tons of insulin. It's more insulin than anybody else in the hospital is receiving. It's more insulin than they're giving to everyone else in the hospital, like combined. It's so much insulin. Your nurses are going to like be like sweating. You're going to you're going to see them 
break out in a, in a sweat. And then the nurse are going to be like, are you sure you want me to give this much insulin? And they're going to be like, I have to clarify the amount of insulin. And they're going to clarify it again. And then the charge nurse is going to clarify. And then like the nursing supervisor is going to clarify. And everyone's going to look at you like you're crazy. And then you're going to call poison control. And I didn't let Mike do this in the case, but you're going to call poison control. And they're, they're going to say, you're not crazy. Give even more insulin. You're talking a unit per kilogram. And then like just a bolus of a unit per kilogram of insulin. You're like, here's, bam, 100 units of insulin. And then another 1 to 10 units per kilogram per hour infusion of IV insulin. Okay? So it's a ton of insulin. It's a ton of insulin. And it acts as a presser. And it bypasses some of the mechanisms that are killing the patient in a low and slow overdose. And this will save their life. You just have to proceed boldly. And in the case, the one mistake that Mike made in the last case was that he didn't have the courage to be like, where's my insulin at? We're doing it. Okay. It's insulin. Now it's true. This is a lot of insulin. It's not as scary as you would think it would be because the insulin kind of like plateaus out as far as the amount of hypoglycemia it causes, but um, you still have to watch out for hypoglycemia. And so when you're giving insane amounts of insulin in the hospital, you're going to be doing frequent blood sugar checks, maybe every 15 minutes. And you're going to give them right up front a couple units, a couple amps of D50, right? And then you're going to hang a drip that just has, you know, D25 going constantly because you need to keep that sugar up. You don't want to just drive make them severely hypoglycemic, but insulin is actually the cure. And I've never gotten down in the algorithm to the step of where I had to give this, but this is like, I was, I was one step away from this. And I, I, from what I've heard, this is a, it's like a miracle when you do this, you just have to have the courage to do it. And so you'll call poison control and they'd be like, pull the trigger, order all the insulin in the hospital, <laughs> you know, tons of insulin. And then from here, Okay, it's fine. Glucagon is in play. This is the classic answer for a beta blocker overdose. It's probably the answer on your test. I, it depends on how they word it. Um, certainly in the beta blocker treatment algorithm. I just don't want to emphasize it too much. It gets emphasized so much. And then what really needs to be emphasized is we need to give lots of insulin and you know focus on our, our normal resuscitation where we're doing decontamination. We're giving activated charcoal. We're hitting them with atropine. We're doing our pressors. We're trying the calcium. And then we're going into that insulin. And so um, that's the, that is the approach to low and slow beta blocker overdose. Five steps. Activated charcoal, especially if it's been less than one hour and their airways controlled, atropine, epidrip, calcium, insulin, 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 so much insulin, so, so much insulin, and then the sugar to go along with it. That's the real antidote for beta blocker overdose, glucagon for the test. Quick announcement before I wrap up. I've been getting lots of emails, lots of emails about the old Christmas episode, the old Easter episode. There was like an iTunes review saying, where's the old, I think it was the old Christmas episode. So I've, I've been reading these. I've, I, hear, I hear you. When we started the LLC, I didn't want to include anything in the official podcast or like on the, the archive that's going to cause issues with like sponsorships. With that said, I've actually, this is a little early, but I keep getting so many emails about this. I've actually started experimenting with a personal YouTube channel. So this is separate from EM Clerkship, but my goal is to kind of explore my faith more there. If you can even find my little channel, it's 
it's not that creative. It's called Zach Olson and it's got like 17 subscribers as I record this, but I've been putting together the actual playlist is called Bible studies for the Bible for medical professionals, I think is what I called it, but it's just Bible study type stuff. Still pretty raw. I ain't no preacher, but you know, I'm hoping it kind of continues to improve and um, it's been growing my faith from the, from doing it. I'm going to be putting that kind of stuff there. I'll be redoing the Christmas episode at some point on video, putting it there. Just type in Z-A-C-K-O-L-S-O-N on YouTube and scroll through a bunch of them and just look for my like ugly mug there and you'll be like, oh, that that's him. And then if you want to follow it, you're going to have to subscribe because it's a little thing. It's not going to be on your homepage or anything. So, But for all of you who have been sending me messages wanting kind of more of that stuff or wondering where that stuff went, uh, that's where it's going to be. That's where I think the best setting for it is. Um, there's also... There's also an old EKG lecture on there, and by lecture, I mean it's like three hours long of me just like rambling about EKGs, but if you want to learn some EKG stuff, that would be on this YouTube channel as well. The game is, it's like a scavenger hunt, if you can even find my channel among all of the Zach Olsons, right? But, um, so that's where that is, though. I just need, I wanted to get that out there. I've, I've, I've heard you, okay? I've heard you. I've, I've, hopefully, I think I've tried responding to most of these emails, but, um, that's it. So good to be back. So good to do these little episodes. Until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.